Hello, and welcome to Boston Private Perspectives. I'm Shannon Sakosha, Chief Investment Officer at Boston Private. For those of you who have been joining me the last few weeks, welcome back. For those of you that are new to the perspectives, our goal is to keep our clients informed about how this evolving situation impacts you, your family, and your business. With that in mind, I'd like to take a few minutes today and focus our attention on what might happen next. With any crisis such as the one we are challenged with today, there are those individuals, businesses, and industries that are immediately impacted. Then there come the secondary and tertiary impacts, creating a ripple effect that magnifies the original economic deterioration. With that said, the initial impacts of this crisis are well-known and well-documented. There is, of course, the human impact with the sick individuals that our healthcare system is supporting, with the number of deaths that we've seen that have a permanent impact on families here in the United States to the job losses that we've experienced in the services industries, and the productivity losses for those of us who are still working as children are home from school, and we are working from home in a capacity that many have not experienced previously. So with those being those primary impacts, what are these secondary impacts that we're concerned about that could color the recovery that we expect to happen in the second half of the year? First and foremost, We anticipate there being additional job losses outside of retail, restaurants, bars, hospitality that we've seen thus far. There are many services industries that support these types of businesses. And as revenues decline and sales languish, there are going to be some of these companies that are overly exposed to areas like hospitality and retail that we believe will start to see these secondary job losses. These include areas like advertising. For many companies, one of the easiest things to cut uh, in times of constrained cash flow is advertising. Recruiting is another area that we think there could be job losses. We've been in an incredibly competitive employment environment for the last several years. We've already seen the number of job openings nationally decline significantly over the past few weeks, and therefore recruiting of talent becomes less of a priority for companies. Consulting, we've seen companies spend a significant amount of money over the past several years, particularly in the technology realm, in looking to create efficiency and productivity. And we could see those consulting services, the demand for those consulting services decline. And then things like cleaning services and commercial food distribution, you know, those supply chain providers to some of these restaurants, bars, universities public schools, that demand has also uh, experienced a significant decline over the last few weeks, and therefore we could see jobs lost in those areas. The next impact that we're looking at is the rationalization of companies and their infrastructure. So if you think about staffing, as I mentioned, um, for many companies, they've put job openings on hold, or they've been carefully reviewing their open requisitions to determine if those hires are still necessary against a backdrop of uh, economic growth that might not be as robust as what we were anticipating at the beginning of the year. With that being said, there's also a rationalization, not of just human resources, but of physical resources as well. Uh, And some companies who 
perhaps thought that they needed to have an abundance of office space because their teams found it very difficult to work remotely or work in a capacity that didn't require a large amount of office space, may have found over the last several weeks that they're still just as productive without those that significant overhead of requiring large-scale office space. Certainly, office space resources are not something that can be changed overnight. But we do think that as it relates to commercial real estate, that there will be thoughts about the best way to use uh, office space for companies and whether there are changes that they could make to lower their footprint over time and therefore reduce what is clearly a very large fixed cost. Another impact that we're particularly concerned about is the impact of mounting debt on both consumers and businesses during this period. While we came into this particular crisis less debt-laden at the consumer level than we were prior to the great financial crisis of 2008 and 2009, businesses, particularly large businesses that have access to the public debt market, uh, come into this crisis at probably over-leveraged levels compared to where they were three or four years ago. The maintenance of this debt therefore becomes more difficult as consumers lose their job as businesses are unable to tap additional lines of credit or potentially see the coverage that they have through their cash flows decline uh, for their interest payments, this becomes a burden not just on those that owe the debt, but those that hold the debt as well. So the financial services industry could see some pressure as these debts go unpaid or perhaps even are defaulted upon. And you've seen that already as it relates to financial services companies who have reported their earnings thus far this quarter. You've seen an increase in what they call those loan loss reserves that insulate them versus this type of loss. And so obviously they are anticipating that both consumers and businesses are more likely to be challenged to meet their debt payments amidst this economic recession that we are now currently in. One of the other areas of emphasis, and and actually one of the questions I get frequently from the clients that I speak with, is how this will change the global supply chain and our reliance on countries like China uh, for inputs into our products here in the United States. And I think this consideration was already in focus during 2018 and 2019, as we were grappling with the trade tensions between China and the US, it probably has become more in focus for strategically important areas like drug manufacturing over the course of the last couple of months. And so on the back of several decades of globalization in which multinational companies were looking for ways to cut costs and improve their profitability. Many of those solutions resulted in outsourcing, whether it was traditional manufacturing, uh, services that were outsourced to other locations where labor was cheaper. There's been a myriad of ways where multinational companies have essentially offshored their business in order to create uh, more efficiency in uh, in their cost structure. And the stress created both by the U.S.-China trade tensions in 2018 and 2019 and the escalation of concerns around being able to get the things that we need here in the United States to grapple with this current public health crisis have put an emphasis now on thinking about where 
where production needs to sit and do we need to have more production come back into the United States in order to create a more competitive position. We saw this as it relates to energy. We were heavily reliant on external energy sources uh, for many, many decades. And now being an, an oil and gas producer of our own, we've created a more competitive position for the United States. And so I could see something similar uh, in several of the inter- industries that are deemed strategically important for, um, for the United States going forward. Another concern that we have is the mounting U.S. deficit. So we already came into this crisis with a pretty large deficit coming off of the 2017 tax cut and the massive $2.3 trillion stimulus program that was clearly necessary and I think will help to insulate the economic impact of the coronavirus is going to create stress from a fiscal perspective over the course of the next several years. And so, you know, as it relates to the competitiveness of U.S. treasuries and will there still be a market for our government bonds, that's less of a concern for us. More of the concern is that as we move forward, what latitude and what flexibility do we have from a fiscal perspective to be able to grapple with additional stresses on the U.S. economy, and also the expectation that at some point in time, taxes are likely to increase as a result of the large deficit that we are currently struggling with. And how and when will those higher taxes for both consumers and for businesses come into play? And what will be the economic impact of those higher taxes down the line? I'll close with really one more secondary impact, and it relates to how will we here in the United States respond to a pandemic in the future? And this is perhaps the most open-ended of these questions that we're grappling with, but where does the buck stop as it relates to coordinated health policy? What role does the federal government play versus the states? And, and how does our healthcare system factor into a coordinated response? These are questions we don't yet have answers to, but certainly the experience over the last couple of months will provide plenty of data and information upon which to make a better plan for the next public health crisis, and perhaps a coordinated crisis response in general that takes the best of what we have from the federal government and the state governments and allows them to apply those solutions in a way that they see fit in order to create an outcome that is best for all of us. While there is still a lot of uncertainty at play, I want to encourage all of our clients to reach out to your Boston private team with any questions or concerns you may have. Providing guidance and support as your trusted advisor remains our mission. If you have any questions or thoughts on my points today, you can find me on Twitter at Shannon Sakosha. You can also read our latest perspectives as this situation evolves by visiting bostonprivate.com. And if you want all of this information delivered right to your inbox, I encourage you to sign up for our newsletters while you're on our site. Be sure to subscribe to the Boston Private Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify. And thank you again for joining me this week. I look forward to speaking with you next week. This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not a solicitation or an offer to buy any security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. The opinions expressed and information contained in this podcast are given in good faith, may be subject to change without notice, and are as of the date issued.
All sourced information is believed to be reliable, but has not been independently verified. This podcast discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic, market, or political conditions, and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth management services are offered through Boston Private Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly-owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank and Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed, and may lose value.